Welcome to the Next Level Soul podcast, where we ask the big questions about life. Why are we here? Is this all there is? What is my soul's mission? We attempt to answer those questions and more by bringing you raw and inspiring conversations with some of the most fascinating and thought-provoking guests on the planet today. I am your host, Alex Ferrari. I've always wanted to help the audience take their soul to the next level, so I've partnered with Mind Valley and other amazing free courses on spirituality, mind, body, soul, longevity, wealth, and so much more. All you need to do is go to nextlevelsoul.com forward slash free. Disclaimer, the views and opinions expressed in this podcast are those of the guest and do not necessarily reflect the views or positions of the show, its host, or any of the companies they represent. Now, can you imagine remembering not just one or two of your past lives, but over 8,000 different past lives all in this life? Well, today's guest does just that. His name is Kelvin Chin, and Kelvin is a teacher, a spiritual mystic, and has the ability to recall segments of over 8,000 lives. We talk about some of those more interesting lives how far he goes back, and so much more. This is a fascinating conversation, so let's dive in. I'd like to welcome to the show, Kelvin Chen. How are you doing, Kelvin? Hey, Alex, good to see you. Yeah. Good to see you as well, my friend. I'm excited to talk to you. I've I've had many near-deathers on. I've had some people with past lives. I've never had a combination of both, plus Mm. other things that you taught. I mean, you do cover a lot of stuff in your work, sir. I do. Yeah, it's true. (laughs) So my first question to you, let's just get into it, is what was your life like prior to your near-death experience? Prior to my near-death experience, it was pretty regular. I mean, you know, just growing up, suburb of Boston, born in Boston, you know, did the things, you know, sports, music, you know, studied and all that stuff, went to college. Um, But the unique thing about before my near-death experience was that I had learned to meditate two years before I almost drowned. So that was the most significant thing. Other than that, everything's like in a regular kid growing up in the suburb suburbs, you know. So when you were learning to meditate, uh, what year was that around? That was 1970. I learned 1970 to meditate. So then, yeah, so so meditation was not. You didn't have an app for it. <laughs> Let's just put no, it that way. No, no. In fact, some people have said to me over the decades, they've said, "Well, you kind of." You got an Asian last name. Did you like grow up meditating? And then no, my parents were scientists. They they were not into like anything. They thought I was nuts learning to meditate. I mean, really? you know. But oh, you, yeah. from from what I heard, you actually approached it more scientifically, more yeah. evidence based than you did spiritually based. Correct? Yeah, I, I, spiritual. I didn't even know you said the word spiritual to me back then. I would have thought, oh, spirits, ghosts, or something. Or I thought I would think, oh, yeah, I went to the congregational church, but I didn't really pay attention. You know that that's what I thought spirituality was was religion. Uh, so I really, you know, as a teenager, I didn't know what that meant. So no, I I was stressed out. That's why I learned totally. You know, I I I, I wandered into a lecture hall at uh, college. I went to Dartmouth College up in New Hampshire. And I was so stressed out. And the guy was talking about research on meditation that was just starting to be being done. It was the very beginning. It was the first medical studies ever done on meditation in the U.S. anyway, by a guy named Herbert Benson. He was a cardiologist in Boston. And 
I ended up six months later being in his experiments. But they, the guy at the on at, on the stage was starting to talk about cortisol, adrenaline, uh, lactic acid. Those are the only three that I remember. But he's talking about all these different changes going on in the brain and the blood chemistry. And I thought, <laughs> I need that. So yeah. then when you started to meditate, did the spirituality start to creep in because just by the nature of meditation? Yeah. And and I guess the first thing that I, and I, and I did, the first experiences that I started having that you and your audience and I now would call spiritual, but I didn't think of it that way at the time was that I started being unaware of body and surroundings during my meditation. So people sometimes, was I having an out-of-body experience or is just unaware of body and surroundings? People can parse that, you know what I mean? But Because it's, it's gradations, it's degrees. But I just thought, oh, I was, wasn't aware of my body and surroundings, never had that experience before. And then I'd come out of the meditation feeling like really refreshed and less anxious. That's all I cared about at that time. But yeah, later I started opening up in a more, let's say for me, an unusual, because I came from a science background. So, you know, these things are very unusual to me. I'm not thinking like, I'd never read any spiritual stuff. I wasn't looking for anything like that. I didn't believe in reincarnation. I didn't know what it, what out of body meant. I didn't know what an NDE was. I just happened to have one that I didn't even know what it was called when I almost drowned. Right. So let's go, let's go into it. So tell me about your NDE. Yeah, so so I'd been meditating for two years, as I said. I, I went out to study intensive language study for the summer, like at a year's worth in like two, three months uh, at UCSD in mm -hmm. San Diego, La Jolla, right? And so I'm from the East Coast. I'd never been in the Pacific Ocean before. So I met this girl at registration. She'd never, she was also from New England. She had never been in the Pacific. I said, hey, let's go swimming. <laughs> let's go. We got a class till tomorrow. So, you know, met her at, at registration desk. And we <laughs> went down there. There was nobody there. And people who know Torrey Pines State Park right there in La Jolla, it, you know, the, the PGA Tour is, is held at, at Torrey Pines, whatever it's called, the country club, whatever it's called there. And it's on the bluffs that overlook the Pacific Ocean. It's a gorgeous I guess it's a gorgeous golf course. I've never been on it, but I've been on the beach and, and it's 300 feet down is the beach. There's cliffs 300 feet down is where we were on the beach alone. Nobody there. So you walk from UCSD. It's literally just, you know, cross campus down the driveway. You're at the, you're at one end of the state park and um, there's never any lifeguards or anything. So just the two of us there, beautiful June day, hot sweaty go into the ocean you want to dunk right away i literally was in the i probably walked in literally the waist deep and dunked and started seeing her get really get smaller and smaller and smaller and smaller i was getting pulled up pulled out in a rip current and those people don't know what a rip current is a rip current is a river in the ocean and it sometimes can move really fast and they're all over the world but they're not around Cape Cod where I grew up. So I never knew what a rip current was. <sighs> I learned quickly. And so I saw the cliffs getting smaller and smaller and smaller. And I asked a friend of mine who's a, you know, used to be a, you know, a merchant seaman, a captain on these big, huge ocean ships, you know, freighters and stuff. I said, that was those cliffs, 300 foot high, were about three or four inches tall. How far out was I? He said, 1.7 miles out. So I don't know. I was panicking. So I don't, 
it, it was, was seconds, minutes. I was panicking, but I was out there fast. And um, and I started trying to swim back in, of course, and couldn't because I, I, I panicked. I, I did. I went right back into the current, which is what you're not supposed to do. So this just saves anybody's lives. I've been saying this when I tell this NDE, you swim at an angle to the beach because that's going to increase the likelihood you're going to get out of the rip current that just pulled you out. Well, I forgot all my Boy Scout training and I just, because I panicked and I'm swimming back in and I'm going nowhere and I'm probably getting even pulled out farther, seeing the cliffs get even a little smaller. I'm, I'm panicking. I start going, I'm exhausted. So now I start going down because I can't swim. I, I just, and I see the surface of the water. I'm holding my breath. I pop out of my body, my mind. That's the only way I, I can describe it. So my mind observed my body. Okay, so whatever you want to call that. I popped out. I, I say I popped out. And I, and, and, I, and, I, and I realized what was happening, though, because I had been meditating for two years every day, twice a day. I'd been on some retreats, some long retreats. I'd meditated a lot for two years, okay? I'd had this unaware of body and surroundings and separate from my my mind separate from my body experience whatever you want to call that many many times during those two years of meditating i was familiar i knew what was it didn't shock me it was like oh and then i <laughs> you know went whoa and i and i just uh, no back in i i, I kind of I, I didn't have a thought it was a desire it was a feeling of no and i and i my mind went back into my body I struggled the four or five feet to the surface and I just had one thought, take your time. And that was it. And I flipped over my back, got my breath and I did side stroke all the way in. She said for an hour and I did side stroke intentionally because I didn't even want to do breast stroke because I didn't want to put my face in the water and, 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 and risk taking water in because, you know, I was exhausted. So I did side stroke, kept my head out of the water the whole time. I didn't want, and I and I tried sleep uh, swimming on my back, but the the waves were kind of washing over me too. So mm -hmm. so I did side stroke the whole way in. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Kept my head above water. The waves would come over me every once in a while, but you know my head was still out of the water, and. Um, she said, "I and I passed out for a half an hour." She said, "When I when I when I got up on the beach, so that was my so the meditation really saved my life because if I'd had a classic NDE, you've had a ton of people on here I know who talk about NDEs and you know you hear them. Well, I'm on the other side. It's beautiful. It's full of light. I'm out of my body. My body. I feel no pain in my body if they're experiencing pain mm -hmm. for some people. And you know, I see Jesus or God or angels or my." dead loved ones and they're welcoming mm -hmm. my body would have been 60 feet down and there's no way after you know a few right. seconds right right you wouldn't have come back you i wouldn't have come, come back. back i would have been i would have been dead i i i, I don't think i could have struggled 12 feet up to the surface well let me ask you so you were when you say your mind it sounds like your consciousness or your higher yeah. self or whatever the spirit what had popped out of you and yeah. you were now witnessing what was happening yes and you could have arguably continued down that path, let's yes. say, if you weren't educated in meditation and kind of felt yes. that before. Yes. And you made a conscious choice of going, nope, um, I don't want to go. And you That's just got exactly slammed, right. 
slammed back into your body, and then you basically saved yourself. So there was no classic NDE, no tunnel of light, oh. no, no. It was it was more of a. It sounds a bit more like an out of body experience, right? To a certain extent, that exactly. that moment, that that moment, because yes. of an NDE. So, so you traditionally hear, something else, right? You hear people will say, "Well, that's not really an NDE." I said, "Well, I almost well, listen. I, well, listen. No, there's no question. Call, I'm not arguing call, you whatever about you want. Point. Okay, I don't care what you label it. I almost <laughs> died. All right? right, and whatever right. it was, saved me a lot, saved my life. I don't care what you label it because I didn't even know what an NDE was till about five, six years ago. Oh, really? Yeah, no, wow. no. I never heard the terminology until I wrote my first book about overcoming the fear of death. Then I researched this stuff. I said, "Well, wait a minute." Did I have an NDE? I didn't have a classic NDE. So a lot of people may say, well, it's not really an NDE. It's like, you know, it's like my yeah. NDE better than your NDE people. <laughs> I saw more angels in my NDE than you exactly. did. Exactly. I saw more angels in mine. <laughs> you didn't really have an NDE. And actually, I since I've been to, I, I've spoken at the International Association of Media mm -hmm. Studies, you know, IONS. I, I was invited to speak. Well, I've spoken like three years in a row. First time I went, to their group, uh, it was to speak at their international conference in 2019 in King of Prussia, Pennsylvania. And I heard people saying this in the in the hallway. Well, that's not a real, that's not a real NDE. Yeah. That's not a <laughs> yeah. yeah. She didn't have a real NDE. He didn't have a, no, my NDE, it was, it was like people comparing NDEs. I'm like, really? I didn't even know what an NDE was. And so I don't need to call what I experienced an NDE. I almost drowned. And I and I didn't. Right. And there was some sort of spiritual thing that happened at that Something point. Something happened. Call it I don't care what you call it. I'm not I'm not here so, to say I had an NDE. You know what I mean? Like fair I'm enough. Here to yeah. save, people's, save people's lives if they get pulled out in the rip car. And I seriously mean this. Don't do what I did. Swim at an angle. So, so when you came back, um, yeah. I'm assuming that's a bit jarring. Uh, I almost, when I was, when I was a young man, I, I didn't think I had an NDE or an out-of-body experience, but I did almost drown. I was being pushed under by a bully, uh, in a, in a pool once young, I was really young and it jars you. It, it jars you because yeah. at least for me, I was probably 11 or something like that. Yeah. And I was, um, I walked around, like I almost died. I almost died. I almost, so, and I was young young kid i can only imagine what happened you i mean yours is much more intense how did what were the after effects of that event for you yeah i was 19 20 years old when this happened and so yeah i'm walking around thinking what the, <laughs> what the you know fill in the blank just happened i almost that was it right. i thought that was it i was like i got my i'm like tina man i got my whole life again ahead of me i'm like and that was it and Mother Nature just, boom, pulled me out, call it whatever you want. And it's just like how random I thought, you know? Mm -hmm. And like, yeah. So I was walking around a little bit in a daze, like you said, like you were, you know, like, whoa, you know, for a while there. And then I just, I don't know. I dived into life, I guess. <laughs> so yeah, so you, so it didn't it didn't start you off on a spiritual path or anything like that. No, no, I didn't think of it as a spiritual experience. I thought of it as I almost drowned. <laughs> it's a physical but experience. I yeah, I know you call that whatever you call it, you know. But no, it was not a spiritual experience for me, now, as it is for many people who have a classic NDE, et cetera, et cetera. Because 
because even 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 having an out of body experience for many people can catapult them into a oh path, right? But for me, I'd already had two years of you know, this is like very normal to me. It was normal. Right. And the thing is also too, the information in the 19, early 1970s was not as rampant out there like it is now. These conversations weren't happening. The, no. the concept of what's happening to you while you meditate, you were just like, whatever this is, I I, I felt it before. And I kind of knew felt it better. Was. I felt better. And my anxiety was going away. That's why I learned to meditate, my anxiety. And so when I had this feeling or whatever it is, we're describing, I felt great. And I, my anxiety was non-existent then. And we'll come back a little bit after I opened my eyes up. But, you know, after months of this, my anxiety went away. Mm. I didn't care what it was called. I'm, I'm a pragmatist. So that's something about my personality. I'm a pragmatist. I'm not, I don't need to label stuff. I sure, need to, sure, sure, sure. And, and if to compare myself to other people about, I, I didn't <laughs> even know what spirituality was. But, you know, to me, my life was saved. And I felt better from this thing called meditation, and my anxiety had gone away. So, I so one of the one of the main reasons I asked you on the show was because of your ability to remember your past lives, and yeah. not only you you know because I've had other people who remember past lives, I've had other people who remember many past lives, but you claim to be able to remember up to six thousand years ago or more, many many past lives. So when did this? insanity start for you because yeah, i'm assuming it, it, it hit you like yeah, a freight train it did and, and it really i thought i was a little cuckoo i mean so you talk about insanity i mean i really thought that i was like well i didn't think i was insane but i thought i went in a really really vivid imagination uh, mm -hmm. that's what i thought about myself i thought i thought i was making it up okay i thought this was fantasy well first of all so it's to answer your question 1977 that's when it started okay so i had been meditating for seven years and first of all i didn't the first experience i had i didn't know anything to do with past lives so it wasn't it wasn't like um a past life experience to say oh no you know you saw yourself or this or that it wasn't like that for me i had a dream i thought it was a nightmare and it was a nightmare actually i mean a bad dream meaning nightmare bad dream but that's all I thought it was, was a bad dream, like a really intense, emotionally disturbing, distressing, bad dream. And um, so I just let, let, you know, I was a science major, you know, I didn't believe in reincarnation stuff. I mean, I would hear people by then, after seven years of meditating, and, you know, by then I was teaching meditation, I'd learned TM, I'd was an international leader with Maharishi's organization at that point. So I was in surrounded in some of these, you know, teacher courses with 500 or 1000 people and you know the food line and whatever. You hear people talk about reincarnation, I was like, you know, crazy people. You know, I just thought they were just making stuff up. I So the dream that I had, I just thought was a bad dream until about 6 or 8 months later I was with one of my close friends very close friend of mine and i just started telling him the dream and he finished the dream like i just said i had a really bad dream about six or eight months ago george and he and he just told me the whole dream yeah you were lying on the side of the road you were crying all night and your face this is what you were wearing and the sandals and this is what your tunic looked like and blah, 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 blah. and i went what and so how did you know that and he said because 
I'm the one who found you there 2000 years ago. So that's how, and I, and, and, and so he had told, he, he had had his, some of his memories started coming to him as memories, uh, not as in, in my case, not, not, not in a similar way as mine, but actually as actual memories a couple of years before something like that, before I mine this dream that I had. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And so he had remembered who I was in our relationship, but he didn't tell, he intentionally did not tell me because he wanted to see if I surfaced something myself before he started saying anything. You know, he don't want to, you know, planting seeds. He wanted to be me, me to be innocent and just mm-hmm. see what happened. That's so that's what happened. <laughs> And and then so once you understood that there was a past life, when did when did the others start coming in? Because you remember many of them. Yeah, shortly after that, um, I had some 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 uh, pretty, um, in a sense, jarring to use kind of go down your road of you know what you were, you know, intimating in terms of the psycho-emotional of what mm-hmm. was going on. It was it was somewhat jarring at first because again it was jarring not just emotionally it was a jarring because intellectually I didn't believe in reincarnation I'm still doubting even though he said what he said to me I'm still thinking he's making it up right mm-hmm. <laughs> I'm still questioning I'm the ultimate skeptic so I'm like what and then and then I started so here's one uh, one of the early ones is I was lying down after I meditate. I always lie down. I was, for those audience who meditate, even if they don't do my technique of meditation, mm-hmm. it just, I always recommend people rest afterwards. Don't just jump up after you finish your meditation. Rest for, you know, 5, 10, 15 minutes or something. So I'm in that mode. So I'm not meditating. I'm not sleeping. I'm not dreaming. And I'm not totally wide awake, but I'm kind of in that in-between wakefulness state. So I'm in that mode. And then, like it was as if like a like a TV screen like switched on in my in my head, and I, and I and I start seeing things like you see in a dream, but I'm not dreaming, right? You know how you in a dream you can you see things, but you don't see yourself, right? You're seeing stuff in your dream, so you're looking through your eyes, your mind's eye. People sometimes you call, call it that, right? So I walk into this room in this experience. I'm just lying on a friend of mine's living room floor because we all had, you know, six or eight of us had just meditated and uh, just lying there resting. And uh, and I, I, my, I go into this room and it's all stone, big, huge, like stone blocks, two, three foot stone blocks and floor. I look at the walls, stone, ceiling, stone. It's all a big, huge stone room, and the ceiling's maybe, I don't know, 20, 30, 40 feet up, something like that. You know, it's big, high ceiling. And there's nobody in the room. I'm alone in the room. I look around, and uh, all the furniture is pushed to the walls, except there's one piece of furniture in the middle of the room. And it's a big, huge, um, full-length mirror. And so I walk up to it, and it's the first time I'm getting chills telling you this. Uh, first time, first time I walk, uh, I've seen myself, and I saw myself, and I, I it was a big. I filled up the mirror. I didn't know how big I was then, but I filled 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 up the mirror, so I, I was a pretty big guy, and I had reddish red hair, red beard, 
a white tunic and a cross on it, and I had chainmail underneath, full length, head to toe, mm -hmm. chainmail. Okay, and that so that was the first. Ex so then I don't know if it was. See, I never thought I'd be talking about this stuff because I just thought eh. I would talk to my friend George, and we, you know, over the decades, and we're like, hey, yeah, we just we'll just talk about it amongst ourselves. Now I've written a book. My third book's coming out. It's all about this stuff because I use it to help teach people get rid of their fears. But at that time, you know, I was what twenty six years old when this happened, and uh, twenty seven years old, something. And I thought, eh, you know, I got my life. I'm living my life. You know, whatever. So I don't know exactly when the following thing happened that relates to this lifetime, but at some point, it was ten or twenty years later, something. Uh, I in my book I guesstimate you know when it happened, but I started realizing how big I was. I, I had this knowingness. The only way I can I was six five, six four, six five, two hundred twenty five, two hundred thirty pounds. That knowing just just came into my mind about ten or twenty years later, about that mm -hmm. lifetime. It's not that many people that big, mm -hmm. you know, with red hair, who were in the Crusades. Right. You were right? a beast. You were a beast. I was a beast. I was a beast. There's stories about me where I was on horseback. To, so war horses were about 1,400 pounds. The regular horses we would, would ride were about 800, 800, 900 pounds. But the war horses had to carry us with all our chain mail. And you get 100 pounds of armor on you. And you and, and, I was pro and I was already 230, 40, 50 pounds. So, you know, I'm like, I'm like a 300, 350 pound beast on a horse so we had 1400 pound war horses there's stories about this guy who would go up to the we called them saracens then this is a whole other experience i had later where i was yelling out saracens i didn't even know what the word meant that's the word for muslims before uh well in the middle ages i can't remember it's in my book i looked it up but it's like mm. before 14 or 1500 a.d or some 1600 we call muslims is a relatively new term but mm -hmm. we called them Saracens. So I, I have, there's a story about me, this big guy on this 1,400-pound war horse going up to several hundred Saracens, and they saw him and they ran away. They <laughs> didn't want to fight. Of course. And it wasn't just me. It was me with my troops behind me, but I was in the front of the troops, right? I was huge. I mean, you know, I, you know I, I'm outweighing them by 150 pounds. I'm like a foot taller than they are, some of them. You can only imagine you look like the devil coming on horseback. I mean, you, yeah, you, exactly. you, yeah, they've never seen anything like it. So let me, uh, so let me ask you, what was the, what's the oldest life that you can remember in a time or place one, that we don't yeah. might not know? Yeah, the oldest one that I remember, and it's really odd how it came up, uh, is, uh, is Sumeria. Okay, Sumeria, six thousand years ago, about four thousand BC. Uh, again, these are estimates, you know, whatever mm. it's wise. But I know it was Samaria because I was sitting, minding my own business in my apartment alone in Austin when I lived in Austin, Texas. Uh, and I was sitting alone meditating. And then this, so in 1986, I started getting information from the other side just spontaneously. Again, just minding my own business just started happening. So by this time, this was like five, six, seven years ago, this happened when I was living in Austin, Texas. I um, I said something in Sumerian. I've never studied Sumerian before, okay? I've never, I, I heard the name. I knew it was an ancient civilization, 
I'd never read about it or anything like that. And I just knew that I it was something in Sumerian, but I didn't know. So then what did it mean? I didn't know. So then I looked it up uh, online. And yeah, it's a, it, it's, it, it's, what is it? Asha, I think it was. It's mm -hmm. in my book, whatever. I, I've written these things down since, but, you know, um, and it means cosmic order. And I didn't know what it meant. I didn't know it was Sumerian, but in my meditation, it came to me, this is Sumerian. This is what you called this person back then. And that's the oldest memory you have or, or, or of, of your past lives. And then you've yeah. had other ones up into you. I'm assuming you were in Egypt at one point or another. Yeah, I've been in Egypt several times. Yeah, several times. I was a priest in Egypt several times. But yeah, that's the oldest one. Mm -hmm. and I remember standing on my veranda, veranda second floor, five o'clock in the morning. Uh, I don't have a lot from that lifetime, but I remember standing on the veranda five o'clock in the morning, watching sun come up over the city. Um, yeah. Well, let me ask you, what's the most interesting past life that you can remember? Interesting. I mean, the one I have the most that I have this several who are very, that are very interesting. Uh, depends on how you define interesting. <laughs> I'm asking your definition of interest because it's your life. So. Well, the, the one that has helped me this lifetime the most in a really nitty gritty way, not intellectually, okay, but in a vis only way is a visceral way, and I'll, you'll see what I mean when I describe it to you, was when I was a slave. I'm estimating it was around 2,300 years ago or something like that. Um, <clears throat> in the Punic Wars, fighting in warships, uh, I was enslaved by the Carthag Carthaginians fighting the Romans, okay. You know, the Carthaginians ruled the Mediterranean for many, many hundreds of years before the Romans got their act together and figured out how to build ships like the Carthaginians could. Okay, mm -hmm. so the Carthaginians ruled uh, all the trade, you know, you know, all, all the trade routes and everything. Um, I was African at the time, and the only reason I know that is because I could see my skin, and I was very, very, you know, like you know, they, sometimes people use the phrase of blue, blue, black skin. You know, very, mm -hmm. very. Very, very dark. dark, pitch dark, yeah. Very dark, yeah. Blue black. And so I could see my skin in this experience. And I was um, this is one of my very early memories in this lifetime, very early. So like 1978-ish or something. I, I had this memory uh right after the, the first one. But um we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And I was I was dying. I had a nearing death experience then too, nearing, not a classic NDE, but I almost died on a piece of wreckage because a ship had gotten blown up or something that I was rowing on. So um and um I willed myself to stay alive. That's why I say viscerally it helped me the most in this lifetime. Because mm -hmm. I've been through so many difficult uh challenges in this lifetime not the least of which, I mean, this is not the only ones, but not the least of which is being laid off five times since I was 50 years old. You know, and age, mm. discrimination, age discrimination is... Uh, is Alive is, and well. Alive and well. Thank you. That's the phrase I was looking for. <laughs> alive and well in the United States. They look at your resume, you got all this experience. Oh, we're going to pay this guy that much money. Forget about it. You know, we're not going to talk to him. So 
at 50 years old, I've been laid off five times, you know, over the over the next 15 years. And so that lifetime, 2,300 years ago of knowing how powerful my mind was to will my physical body to stay alive, helped me ramp it up so that I could put on a good face in an interview to get a new job this lifetime. Mm. That makes sense. Right. Well, uh, but let me ask you, Kelvin, how did you deal with this psychologically? Because this seems like a lot of information and you're not, you're not training in the spiritual space. You're not reading the Vedic texts. You're not, you're not studying with a yogi. No No. one's there explaining this process to you. So I imagine you got to be like the computing power in your brain has to be overwhelmed. Yes, sometimes you're absolutely right. Yeah, I didn't read books. I wasn't, there were no YouTube videos back then, but you know, I I wasn't going to workshops. I mean, because I'm still kind of (laughs) questioning. There's part of me, and seriously, there's still part of me, even after all for several several years. I'm talking, I'm not talking like several experiences. I'm talking about several years worth of, I don't know how many hundreds of experiences over several years, whatever. I wasn't counting. I'm still questioning whether I'm making this up. And so I it, it was trial to answer your question, it was it was difficult for me at time. I I was going I went through some identity crises like am, am I make you know who am I? You know who am I? That's what mm. identity means, right? And so I was trying to figure this out myself and I kind of trialed and errored it. <laughs> mm-hmm. it's verb it's made up a new verb. You know, I just, you know, just try to figure it out myself because that's how I'm wired. Because if I, I didn't even think about it, but now this is how I'm wired personality-wise. If I go to somebody else, I'm going to get their interpretation. I already knew that. So I'm like, I want to figure it out myself. Am I mm-hmm. making this up or whatever? And so I just kind of sat back and I, this is, I talk about this in my third book. I talk about this angst that I kind of went through and I this questioning that you're talking about. I talk about this. You're, you're very astute, actually, Alex. <laughs> it's not just the service stuff, because I say, it's, otherwise, it's cocktail party talk. I don't care. This is right. not something I was going to talk about. This was stuff that's internal to me. I talked to it, about it with one friend for decades, and then maybe a small handful of a six or eight of my closest friends after that. And I've told them to keep their mouth shut, because I don't want, I don't get locked up, you know, you know, <laughs> you know right. what I mean? This is like my experience and it's my journey about me. So then I started teaching this stuff recently, like recently for me is eight to 10 years ago. And so now I've written this book, but you know, uh, it's all getting out there, but it's not about who I was. It's about what I did with it. And that's what my book is all about. And that's what my teaching has always been about. Yeah, it's not it's it, because the the stories themselves are they're stories. They're wonderful stories. They are it's like watching a movie, but it's about the message of exactly. the story that you can then apply in today's world. Today, it's about living in the present. It's not about living in the past or you know ruminating about the past or pining away. Oh, I wish it was like that. I wish I was back to being that redhead no. giant. Yeah. Exactly, the redhead <laughs> giant again. Exactly. <laughs> No, oh, it's 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 about li- how does it inform me to help me in the continual present, which I'm living in all the time. Mm. To me, that's that's what I teach, and that's well, how I've used this. So then, let me ask you this, because you seem you were very reluctant and held on to this for so many years. Uh, this information. When did you decide to come out of this past life closet? <laughs> uh, what 
was it? Um, I think it was. I don't know. If you go on my YouTube channel, sure. Uh, you 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 get a more accurate answer. But not not the exact date. I'm not but, concerned about the like exact date. I'm more four, exactly four, five, four or five years ago. So then, what was it? What was inside of you that said this is the time for me to open up and take this leap? Uh, well, maybe it was a little bit longer than well. The four or five years ago is when I came out more publicly. I guess I I started talking about my Carthaginian slave lifetime in my first book. So that was mm -hmm. twenty. 15 or 16 when I wrote that. So I guess that's when I first came a public. So what really kind of, um, I guess, nudged me, <laughs> like a mm -hmm. strong nudge, was in 2014, I organized an event called the 30th November Talk. We'll call it the 30th November Talk. 30thnovember.com is the website we created where the talk exists. It's not a talk by me, but I organized the event. And what happened was <clears throat> my good friend, George, who I mentioned in the previous story about finishing my dream, he, he's been a mergers and acquisitions lawyer. He's retired now, but he was a mergers and acquisitions lawyer for 25, 30 years, big global law firms, et cetera. I say that because he's not a psychic, but he and I have been meditating for so many decades. He's been meditating, you know, a couple of years less than I have. So I've been meditating mm -hmm. 52 years. He's been meditating 50 years. Okay. So we're about the same time. And it's like, okay, opening up, opening up, opening up through the meditation. He got a download. He got a visit when his sister died in his house. She came and brought a bunch of, we'll call them old friends from previous lifetimes to him who asked him to do this 30th November talk. As a result of that 30th November talk, I was involved. They came and visited me from the other side also, et cetera. And not just me and George, but there were several others who got visitations. I know it. I know of at least 20 who contacted me and they got visitations. But I, these are 20 people I didn't even know around the world when I was organizing this. And so that kind of, to answer your question, that was, I guess, the seminal event, if you want to, something you, that kind of pushed me. Yeah. When you Nudge. say visiting, visit, yeah. visit, visitations, what does that mean? Were you like seeing ghosts? Were you like, what was going on? No, no, no. On? Communications from the other side. You know, you've probably had people on talking about that, right? Sure, of course. Yeah. So telepathic communications from the other side, et cetera. And, and as you know, because of all your previous guests who've talked about it, that can come in many, many different forms. Sometimes you can see their energy body. Sometimes you just hear them. Sometimes you have a feeling, a tele, uh, you know, you know, you know, telepathic communication. Sometimes it's a combination of all of the above. It varies. So we were having, I mean, there were a number of us having a, a lot. First, it was George, but then a number of us were having these communications, we'll just call them from you know, folks on the other side uh, about this 30th November talk. So that was, um, and, and, and with the talk, just in this, those of you who, are, you know, have, you know, when you go to the website, you'll see it's a talk about the history, the explanations of why certain things were done uh, in the beginning and in the beginning days of, beginning <clears throat> millennia of the Judeo-Christian Islamic Vedic traditions. Hmm. So it was the uh, some of the progenitors of the Judeo-Christian Islamic Vedic traditions 
giving a download as to, well, this is why we did this. And we're trying to do a social, this is my, my terminology, a social science experiment to help humanity. That's my terminology. Okay. Is, and let's try this and let's try planting a seed and let's send a prophet down with this message and let's send another prophet down with that message and plant these seeds and the prophet will come down and then teach and so forth and so on and then and then spread these concepts we're talking over the last let's say ten thousand years roughly okay mm. on planet. we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor And now back to the show. So that's what the, so I organized that, you know, event. And um, it happened in Alexandria, Virginia, outside Washington, D.C. And as I said, 2014. So I guess to answer your question, I never thought about it until you asked me, because you're asking mm-hmm. interesting questions. Uh, <laughs> like what kicked me in the butt to kind of start to put your, to put no, but to put yourself out there because this is not yeah. listen. This is this is a room clearing conversation, man. This is not like, hey, everybody, I remember six thousand years of my past lives. Generally, not the best coffee talk. <laughs> <laughs> I select my audiences, you know. Right. Look, I, I I have a career previous to doing what I'm doing now of working in law firms. Right? <laughs> I was I was a lawyer. I was working in a big very role. spiritual space. Very spiritual. Yeah, exactly. Space. Right. Very. Right. <laughs> Right. So I'd be at these legal conferences talking to these lawyers around the world that travel. I'm traveling around. I'm at this conference. And, you know, you get a couple of drinks in them and more than a couple of drinks in them. You know, I'm drinking my <clears throat> what they think is vodka, which is my water in a glass, you know, and then, uh, you know, and they're they loosen them up and they're like, Calvin, what would you really like to do? Because, I, you know, they tell me how hate, how much they hate practicing law. And I said, <laughs> what would you really like to do if you get the heck out of this you know, industry? And I said, well, I don't know. You know, th- this is like 20, 30 years ago. I'd say, I don't know. I feel like I'd like to help people with death and dying issues and help them like, you know, just, you know, get on with it and, you know, be, right. be comfortable over and they said really you got to do that i said yeah i said i have no idea how i'm going to do that but i this this you asked me so i'm telling you and of mm-hmm. course next morning they're sober they completely forgot that i've had that conversation with them you know? well let me ask you this why do you think you were chosen for this for this kind of information because you know from what i've spoken to and i've spoken to spiritual masters i've spoken to ndeers i've spoken to a lot of different people on this about this topic Past lives, the reason, and I've asked certain people, why can't we remember our past lives? You know, mm-hmm. a lot of people always ask like, oh, if, if, if reincarnation is real, why can't I remember? Why am I, this, yeah. this, this amnesia? And the, 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 the always would have said is that like, if you had the information of all your past lives, your, your current brain couldn't deal with it. You barely could deal with what you have in this lifetime, let alone baggage and traumas and other things from past lives you would just explode so why have you been given this ability and why do you think you were chosen for this kind of memory that you're even doing with it right now so i i I, it's interesting question so first of all i'll work backwards with you so i don't think i'm chosen for this Mm -hmm. i mean i think that i have chosen (laughs) i don't think that somebody external has chosen me now sure do i have friends on the other side who externally say hey kill get out there and start talking about yeah i have had friends on the other side telling me that for 20 30 years and i've said no no choice free will of course yes free will so i've had i've had nudges let's just say but it's my choice 
So I'm not chosen in that way. I think really it distills down to one simple thing with all kinds of nuances, of course, but which is that I don't have a fear about a lot of things. So I don't have a fear about death mm-hmm. and dying. So I've ex- I can I can go and experience my death in a number of different lifetimes. So I talk about my book, but you know, so I've experienced that. I can experience it. I can experience the memory of it now, even, right? And it doesn't freak me out. Oh, it freaks me out. It it affects me, but it doesn't overwhelm me. Okay, let's say because you remember dying in other up in other. Oh yeah, yeah, oh yeah, 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 yeah. So that's one, and then I and, and that's one fear. But I think a bigger, that's one big fear that I think prevents a lot of people from remembering. But, an, but I think an even bigger fear is embarrassment, mm. you know, or shame or embarrassment or, you know, like, because people hold themselves, they have an idea, everybody has an ideal image of who they want people to think of them as. Of course, the mask. Yeah. It doesn't matter what it is. And it's, it, 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 it everybody has a different ideal image of what, you know, it's their ideal image. And you don't meet that. People feel they get embarrassed. Sometimes people get shamed. They feel guilty or whatever. I'm like, man, I, I, I'm secure within myself is who Kelvin Chin is. Who Kelvin Chin has been in the past or my soul, not Kelvin Chin, but who my soul has manifested in the past and has done some stuff that maybe not so great. You know, that's not me now. I know who I am now. I'm not worried about being tainted by that. I think that's a big cautionary barrier or whatever you want to call it for a lot of people. Pre- creates a barrier. The other thing is, um, to you know, to what the way you kind of summed up what you heard other people say about your right, your mind would explode. I don't know if explode is the right word. I'd say your your mind wouldn't be able to handle it because of the fears, of the guilt, of the trauma. shame, of the trauma. That it could it could trigger in somebody, and that's one reason why I say to my students, I say, you don't have to remember your past lives in order to fully develop from a spiritual standpoint. Yeah. You, you you look at your emotional patterns is what I advise, and because the emotional patterns are 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 definitely linked to your past lives, so look at the emotional patterns. You don't need to remember how you died or what was going on on the battlefield here, or I was almost dying on a piece of wreckage when I was a slave in the Mediterranean. I don't have to remember all that nasty stuff. But if I look at my emotional patterns, I can learn more about who I am today because those emotional patterns, in my experience, are what have carried throughout the 6,000 years of my memory so far. Mm. And that's what I talk about in the last half of my book is all of that stuff. The first half is kind of, like you said, stories. The last half is a different sort of stories. It's the stories about the inside, hmm. not the exactly. outside, right? How, uh, so let me ask you, do you think that you that you go farther back than the 6,000 years and you just oh. haven't remembered? Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I've been, yeah, well, you're the first podcast interviewer who's asked me this, that where I've had, since I've had a, a, a recent experience that literally just, it's, it's, it's not even going to be in my third book because mm-hmm. it's going, my, my books go into the interior designer guy who's going to upload it. Sure, 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 sure. But this just happened uh, within the last 48 hours. Okay. Oh, wow. Okay. This is a fresh and exclusive, if you will. You, you, you gotta, <laughs> whatever you call that, you know, you gotta, yeah, whatever you call that in the right. 
which is, um, <clears throat> it was, happened to me in the middle of the night. I got up to pee, you know, whatever, you know, and I come back and I'm, so I'm not, I'm not asleep yet, but I'm in that going to Between. sleep. Yeah. And I started speaking in another language. This is going on. And I tell this in my book. It's been going on since the 1980s. I just babbled. I could stop doing it. It's not like somebody's, something's controlling me. I could stop. But I'm in that relaxed state about to go to sleep. And I was not speaking a fam the familiar language, like familiar, like the, the language that I've, the native indigenous people language that I've normally been speaking in the past for decades. It was something else. And I had a, a, a vision of myself in the Southwest, not in the Great Plains, where I've, I've had many visions of lots of memories being in the Great Plains in the 1800s. But this one was ancient in the Southwest of what we call our country now, but you know, the Southwest. North America. Yeah. North America, Southwest. Like, I don't know. 8,000, 10,000 years ago, something, mm -hmm. a long time ago. I don't know exactly when. So it's just an, a, a, I just had a little window into it, you know? It was arid, it was dry. I knew it was in the Southwest. Was there anybody else around? Uh, I don't know. I, I don't know, because I fell asleep. See, mm -hmm. I, you know, in this, you know, you know, a couple of, I just, I, I, I went and I fell asleep and then I don't remember what happened. So but you've but, but it was it was obviously a different a different experience in that space. Yes, it was different and it was different from all my other ones. And the language you were speaking is completely unrecognizable. Unrecognizable. I, I want to ask you this, Calvin, because you have such experience with past lives. Do you how do you think that we have evolved as a species? as as humans on the planet for so long because you know obviously history now that 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 ancient history timeline it continues to be pushed back by new like uh by the gukapele uh, in um turkey and golipikebele i can never say the name uh yeah. pushed just back 11,500 uh, right. all these kind of things past going back some people are even arguing 30 40,000 years back is where different different civilizations have come and gone, you know, yeah. again, all that kind of stuff. I'd love to hear your take on it because you have this kind of experience of so many different past lives and experience so much. I'd love to hear your opinion on that. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. I think, I, I guess what I could say is that <clears throat> I think what we tend to do in 21st century earth is judge the sophistication of a civilization yeah. by its technology. And I think that's a big mistake because this is what's persistent, not this, but our mind, our consciousness, our mm -hmm. soul is what's persisting through time. Technology can come and go, you know I mean? Yeah. Oh, Yes. I mean, look, look at ancient Rome. I mean, I watched the Discovery Channel years ago. And I said, ancient Rome, they had, look at these brain surgery tools. And they had ancient Rome 2,000 years ago or 2,500 years ago, whatever it was. And they had today, 20th, 20th century, 21st century tools. And they were essentially identical. Okay? Right? But they were lost in between. 
the Middle Ages, there were none, all of that was lost when the Roman Empire went down the tubes, right? Mm -hmm. So, and then it came back again. So, my point is that over the millennia, you go back 40, 50,000, maybe 150,000, I don't know what, you go back. It's the consciousness that's continuing. And yes, I think we've developed, but I think there's more, more self-awareness back 40, 50,000 years ago than people will give the 40, 50,000 years ago archaeological digs credit for. I'm not saying we were more conscious then than we are now. I'm saying that our judgment, our assessment of how conscious the civilization was is based on artifacts that we find. It's based on things. Right, because they think, oh, we have planes, we have cars, and we were much more advanced. But there's things that the tech... And I heard Graham Hancock say this is like we when we look in the past, we look for our technology in the past. And that's what we rate everything against. But you're not looking at what their technology, the technology that was created then. We still don't know how the pyramids were made. Something there was some sort of technology that built that. Yes. Uh, And uh, you know, that was more advanced than what we could do today. There's something they figured something out. Not only that, but you asked for my perspective. Here here's here's something for you. You look at the iPhone today in the mm-hmm. Samsung Galaxy, whatever. It doesn't matter which one you got. Smartphones. Are you telling me that the smartphone development is a direct result of the 8 billion people's consciousnesses on planet Earth today? I say no. You're dreamland. You're living in a fantasy world. There was a small percentage of those 8 billion who are on planet Earth who created the smartphone. There's a small percentage of the human race at the time who came up with electricity or the wheel or the this or the that, okay? Mm-hmm. Judging the, the it's, it's kind of like, I don't know where this came from. It just popped into my head, but I grew up in Boston, okay? Uh, what's there, Harvard and MIT. I can't tell you how many people in the Boston area walk around wearing Harvard and MIT sweatshirts who've never never been to college before. Mm -hmm. So are you telling me that all those people who are now wearing Harvard and MIT sweatshirts have the wherewithal, consciousness, intellectually, or whatever you want to, however you want to measure, right? Mm -hmm. Just because Harvard and MIT exist in the Boston area and they're breathing the same air. air. Mm -hmm. That's the thinking that people have where, well, we've got smartphones now. Okay. Yeah. Like tell that person who says it, I would say to them, yeah. What did you contribute to the smartphone? (laughs) Right. (laughs) I'm sorry. It's the reality, but that's the perspective. You're asking me my perspective is that always a very, very, very small percentage of people who really move the needle in civilization. That's oh. my experience over 6,000 years. There's no question. There's no question. In every industry, there's a few trailblazers who usually get the arrows in the back and bloodied because of the first That's one right. through the wall. That's Always. Right. In every Always. industry from sports, Jackie Robinson, Michael yes. Jordan, you can exactly. start all of them that do what they do. And everybody, then also when they do it, then everybody else says, oh, it can be done. And then yeah. all of a sudden, magically, in the next five or 10 years, other people start doing something that was exactly. before thought impossible, the four-minute mile, things like that. Exactly. exactly. Um, it's, but it's, we it's, forget it's, that. That's a, every, I think when you point that out to people, 
They go, oh, yeah, yeah. But then they don't transpose that to the questions that we're talking about. Civilization. Right. right. And also don't forget also that there's this, this phenomenon of the same thing coming into existence at the same time because Edison was doing electricity here. Someone in Europe was doing it as well. Yes. And of course, T Tesla as well was doing it. Yes. But but the, at the exact same time, these there was uh, the Wright brothers here. And in Europe, there was another group that was doing yes. it as well at the same time. Patents exactly. were this patents were like days apart from each other. I right. mean, so there's that phenomenon, but we could go down that road. I mean, it's yeah, one of yeah, my yeah. favorite topics. We can go yeah. down there forever. I wanted to ask you, cause you, you know, sure. you, you talk about the past lives and you talk about reincarnation. How do you, and, and you're, I love your whole energy, Kelvin, because you are just kind of very pragmatic about this whole thing. You're not deeply, you know, woo woo. I, I use the word. You're not like, woo this and that you're not there. No. Um, that's what I like about your perspective on this. How can you explain reincarnation to somebody who doesn't believe in reincarnation? It doesn't jive with their foundational principles that they were programmed with at youth, essentially. Yeah. How do you explain it in a logical sense where you can have a, a, an intellectual conversation about it? So, so the first assumption is that they're curious because if somebody yes. is not at all curious, I don't, I don't go there. To me, I'm not here to change. I'm not a preacher. I'm a teacher. So if somebody, I'm not here to change their belief systems. That's what a preacher mm -hmm. does. Right? Mm -hmm. I'm, not, I'm not here to do that. So if they want um, to, a little bit insight and maybe a little bit more understanding, I talk about the first law of thermodynamics. You know, matter cannot be created nor destroyed. So energy cannot be created nor destroyed. And matter is made of energy. So energy cannot be created or destroyed. Th first law of thermodynamics. All right conservation of matter, conservation of energy is sometimes what it's called. All right, that's what I hang my hat on because uh, if that's the case, then what are we? Are we our biological bodies? Well, some people will say that and I'm not gonna argue with them. Again, that's their belief. They don't believe in atoms and molecules and you know, and so forth. If they don't, that's okay. Mm -hmm. There's some people that may not believe in atoms and molecules, okay, fine. But I think most people will believe that we're made up of atoms and very tiny particles. We'll call them whatever we want to call them. Tiny, tiny particles that at their, you know, you, you get tiny enough. It, you're talking energy is what we're talking about. And so if, if that cannot be created nor destroyed and is permanent, is eternal, it, it, it is uninfluenced by the continuum of change. That's what eternity means, eternal means then it has to continue. And if it continues, how does it continue? And so my experience is that it can take on a different form. Reincarnation. It's an, it's an analogy. I understand your analogy and I'm going to play devil's advocate for a second because what you just explained, and I already drank the Kool-Aid, so but I'm just going to play devil's advocate, is that what you explained is the physical death because you're right. We will die, we will de decompose in the earth, and we will transform into a tree, into something else, into a plant that feeds us. We will, our energy will continue, and we'll continue yep. and continue, yep. as far as the physical is concerned. Yep. But you're using that as an analogy for the spirit. That's if right. You, but you have to you have to cross the cavern in the in the belief that there is a soul or spirit. Exactly. For that, so to that make sense. that's impossible. That's impossible. Right. It's impossible to. First of all, none of this is in, is possible to prove, 
as in a theorem, mm -hmm. has a right and an absolute wrong answer. Correct, correct. So these are interpretations. I say this right up front in my book. These are interpretations. And now, can we take interpretations and put them through the crucible, through the filtration system of whether or not the evidence supporting it is reliable or weak or stronger? Oh, yeah, yeah, we can do that. We can look at more reliable evidence rather than less reliable evidence. So I talk about what what is more reliable evidence and so forth with these reincarnation experiences. But it still it still isn't, still it's not absolutely provable. Mm -hmm. So, but here's an idea that I'll plant a seed in your head. Mm -hmm. This is get, can can start to get very abstract here, but uh, of of the, the idea of a soul or a mind or a consciousness that's independent because that's really what we're talking about okay it is it is it does it exist independent we'll be right back after a word from our sponsor and now back to the show and so if we look at the universe i'm just going to give you the broad brush on this okay first so if we look at the universe what What's one of the fundamental principles that exists in our known universe is entropy. Entropy being is is you know things if left to their own devices will degrade and 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 become we'll call chaotic. Okay, so entropy. Uh, if I move out of this apartment and I just leave everything as is, if you come back to this apartment five hundred or a thousand years ago, maybe less than that. Let's uh, <laughs> get this paper is not going to be here anymore. It's going to be degraded, ash, sure. ash, dust, or whatever. You know, you know. Probably my iPhone case will still be here because it's, it's plastic. plastic you know? <laughs> so all the plastic will probably still be in a part. But that's the idea of entropy: is that things left to the degrade. Universe, it degrade. So, what, what, what can we look at? that gives some, again, this is not absolute proof, but mm -hmm. some reliable evidence that we can hang our head on that demonstrates that there's something else operating besides this principle of entropy, which I think everybody would agree exists throughout the, the known universe. And that's that there is something that can do things within that entropic universe that can change entropy, mm -hmm. like take sand and heat and make a glass. Mm -hmm. There's something that can do that. Or, that's a human example, or take dirt and pile it up in a certain way and create little, little tunnels in it that creates a two or three foot or six foot high termite nest. Mm -hmm. There's something that's doing that. And so, and I would argue that it's individual, mm -hmm. that that's, that termites have souls or whatever you want to call it. We have souls now, they're not the same, but they have the ability to disrupt our entropic universe. Disrupt meaning create stuff that's not entropic, right? Like a beaver, if you just let the woods go, the woods is going to eventually over three, four, five hundred years, the woods going to fall down. You know, you just go back. You don't have to go back that long. Go back after five or 10 or 20 years 
and the trees are falling down. There's been a fire, da 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 da, whatever, and then whatever, and then some of the trees have fallen over the river, and this and blah blah. blah. But look, you go back not that long ago, and look, these animals called beavers have actually constructed a thing called a dam. We call it a dam across the river. That is violation of the entropic universe rules. Okay. Mm -hmm. Well, you know what? A soul is doing that, making free will conscious choices to have the bedroom of the beaver dam over here, and then take this tree and it conscious. Consciously make make making something happen. You see. Well, the the and the, and for people listening that might go, well, wait, <clears throat> wait a minute. They can't. I mean, not everything has a soul or a conscious. But I'd argue to say that that beaver has a program that's inside of it. It will never make a dam outside of a river. That's not what a beaver does. Those termites will never do. Will never build the Eiffel Tower out of dirt. They can't do that. But they have a programming simple basic programming that gets more complex as we go up in species yeah. a plant has the consciousness to follow the sun to get there's something inside of it there's some sort of code or programming or consciousness that does that I, I, even blades of grass do it there's something there so there's something, I, there's, something there, there's something going on and that is what i think my show is really all about is trying to answer the mysteries that we all see around us, but can't put our fingers on. There's something going on at yeah. a deeper, you know, spiritual conscious level that we can't understand or explain. And that's what I thrive to try to get out of people in the show, be, like yourself who are walking a different path than most. Most people don't yeah. have six to 8,000 years of, of memories of past lives. And we don't have to debate the termites or the beavers because some right. people, they don't have souls. Okay, okay, fine. You don't think your dog or your cat has a soul. That's fine. That's okay too. You don't think that they have free will and they, you know, they, they you know, they, 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 you know, they make choices. Uh, you think they're programmed or whatever, or they don't have a soul or whatever. That's okay. But with humans, I think we can pretty much agree that they are very unpredictable <laughs> souls, humans. And mm -hmm. they just do all kinds of wacky stuff and sometimes it works, and sometimes the building comes crashing down because somebody <laughs> didn't follow the building code, and they got lazy, and they just did whatever, and you yeah, know, yeah, yeah. tragedy happens. Um, you know, I don't mean that jokingly, but I mean just because people make free will choices mm. based on humans do for all kinds of reasons: financial, uh, religious, ego, ego uh, just laziness. <laughs> you know, whatever. Sure, sure, sure. There's a range. Well, yeah. So let me ask you, with all these memories you have of past lives, do you have any memories of in-between lives? Yeah. Oh, tell so, me. Uh, so one of them surfaced fairly recently. And like, since I was writing this book, I started actually writing down when certain things were happening. Um, it was January this year when I was swimming. I swim three days a week. I do laps. And when you do, you know, repetitive stuff, you kind of, it's a meditation. It yeah, it's like yeah. a meditation, like except you're physically moving, but you're kind of in a meditative mode kind of thing. So I'm on my back, and and and, and I had this uh, a, a mini experience, just a very quick flash of being on the other side. And I and I and I detail this how this happened and how it unfolded in my in my new book. But the short version is that. Um, 
I, 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 I saw, I, I saw, I was on the other side observing Earth at around 1978, 1918-ish or something like that. And I, because of a, a previous lifetime, memories, I, memories, I'm on the other side, remembering a previous lifetime that I, it was influenced by um, 100 years earlier, 200 years earlier, whatever. Um, I, I decided, I, I thought I could see that there was going to be another war after the end of the First World War. Mm. And I decided to, to come in. I was born around 1918, 1919. And I came in and I was, and I fought in the Second World War. I was a blonde, blue eyes. I fought, I, I flew F4, F Wildcats off of the USS Enterprise and, and other aircraft carriers in the South Pacific in World War II. Mm -hmm. Um, but I, but I, but the, to answer your question, I, I had this, I saw myself, see what I was seeing down here and, and I figured out, I connected the dots and figured out what parts of what I was seeing, when it wasn't what normally people would think, you know, uh, the British and the American, you know, fight, the French fighting the Germans and it was the Russians. I saw what the Russian, what with the Russians and the Germans, what was going on with the Russians and the Germans. That's what made me think, oh, this is going to blow up again. So you saw the writing of the wall, if you will. Yeah, but 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 the Russians, I saw what happened with the Russians and the German fighting the well, Germans. So that when you were up, when you were looking down, did you see anything else, or would you just remember seeing Earth, and that was it? You didn't see yourself. Yeah, I you didn't, didn't see anybody I, I else. Wasn't, I didn't. I wasn't seeing. Well, I'm down on the battlefield seeing this. Now it wasn't no, no, like no. that. It yeah. was like I was in an, another world we'll say this you know on the other side kind of and i knew i knew i was looking at what was going on in earth some figuratively speaking saying i was looking at earth you know but i was i was aware of the events going on on earth from the other side it's and you were deciding to come back or not more accurate way of saying it yeah you would decide but you've never had you you don't have any memories of like being on the other side uh or life well, between lives as far as like oh well, i have memories yeah i have i can i i have experiences being on the separate from those past life stuff sure yeah 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 yeah, yeah. i i have experiences now uh you know since 1986 off and on i've had experiences of being on the other side and just you know the field of light and then and, and, and it's just it's all light it's not a field mm -hmm. of light it's just it, it's, it's energetic and so it looks like it's light and, and 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 the fact that we can do whatever we want to do and basically you think whatever and so forth. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. And you can travel around really fast because you're, you don't have a biological body. I don't know if they get in a vehicle. So you're you're so it's like thought. You're basically moving around in thought. Yes. Exactly. Is there anything on the other side that you remember that would that would be interesting to discuss? Uh, you know, a hall of records, a council of elders, uh, um, a bar, I, a bar that you like to go to. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's more the latter than the former things uh, options that you gave. It's more the latter. Seriously, I mean, there's 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 lots of these councils. So let me just I'll, I'll kind of answer it this way. There's lots of councils that, you know, people talk about the Council of Elders, the Council of this, the Council of that, and the Council of this and that. There's like a gajillion councils. It's in my afterlife, I teach an afterlife class, a six-part afterlife series. One of the first things I say in the session one is there's the other side is more like this side than you, people realize. 
because people are blown away by how it's different because it is different you don't have biological bodies or anything okay fine all of that yeah it's a given and it's energetic it's over but all of the goings on we'll say that are really orchestrated by what not a biological body by the consciousness by the mind are still being orchestrated by all of the range of minds that you've ever run into on this side, or if you've had an NDE on the other side or whatever, it's the still the few, full range of minds. That's what people, people think that, oh, on the other side, everybody's enlightened. Everybody's perfect. Everybody is like, uh, going to be nice to me. Well, not necessarily. You have, it's, it's like people die. They don't all of a sudden become geniuses when they die or whatever, or all of a sudden people who are narcissistic, all of a sudden they're on the other side and they're no longer a narcissist. No, they carry that with them, not just into the other side, but into thousands of lifetimes back on earth again and again and again and again and until again. They, until, until they overcome it. Until they until they want to overcome. Right. Yeah. Until they, they, and it's a choice because some people just, they some people are caught up in the cruelty cycle. And I'm sorry, this is a whole other lecture. But, you know, and it's just hard for them to get out of because it works for them. But no, the other side is more like this side than the other, than, than, than people realize. Uh, and so there are lots of councils. There's tons of councils. There's not one. And so my teaching is to people on this side is to discern, 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 to distinguish. I help my students develop filters so that when they're on this side or the other side, they can discern and make their own decisions and not be go down a got not not be sold a bill of goods by somebody who's incredibly persuasive or incredibly powerful and bright on the other side the fact that some a being is incredibly brighter than other beings doesn't mean anything i mean there are people on this side who are incredibly powerful beings in human beings powerful who i would never want to be in the same room with never mind have a relationship with right mm -hmm. That power does not mean wisdom. That's one of my fundamental teachings. And most people are swooned by power on this side mm -hmm. and the other side mm -hmm. and the other side. So don't be hoodwinked by somebody or being. I don't care how bright the light is. Make your own. That's my that's my instruction, my suggestion. Uh, Kelvin, I can keep talking to you for hours, sir. A little bit. I could talk to you for six or eight thousand years. Um, <laughs> <laughs> we, we have an eternity, Alex. You just keep finding each other. We're good to go. All right. <laughs> I'm going to ask you a few questions. I ask all my guests. What is yeah. your definition of living a fulfilled life? To me, it's it's not complicated. To me, it's 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 figuring out what works for each of us, and we're each individual souls, and everybody's unique. So we each have to figure that out ourselves, and 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 how to do that by 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 trial and error, quite frankly, and by but by specifically looking at what of my desires, and and then my subsequent action uh, thought and actions connected to those desires is working and what's not, and don't keep going down the road that's not working. <laughs> Learn from that. To me, that's to me that's. That's the road to happiness. That's the road to inner peace and contentment. That's that's, you know, that's what I that's what I suggest. How do you define God? Uh, 
I define, well, how do I define God? I don't see there that there is a need for God in the way that other people define God. Mm -hmm. So if there is no creation or end, there is no need for a creator. Now, could there have been a creator of human beings? Yes, mm. but not of the soul is my theory. Okay, mm. again, these are not provable. Ironclad, mm -hmm, mm -hmm, mm -hmm. right? But my logic and my experience so far tells me, and my logic extension tells me that we are eternal and therefore no creator of my soul necessary. Now, could somebody have created plants like you used the plant example or whatever? Yeah, somebody could have been a creator of that. Some beings or being could have. That's possible. If somebody views God that way, then I could buy that. But I don't I don't I don't view there a need to be a creator in of the soul or whatever if it's you can't have eternity start after something's created. That makes no logical sense. Okay. But you hear that all the time, right? Sure. That kind of cognitive dissonance. So that's what I'm referring to. Um, does what that make sense? It makes sense. It makes sense. What is the ultimate purpose of life? I think that I think every individual has their own purpose, whatever that is. And it's developed, it is, it, they, each person has to develop that themselves and, and, and refine it and change it as they go through their lives and lifetimes in their own one life or however they want to look at it. <clears throat> and, and what would be a piece of advice you would give your younger self? My younger self, I would say, uh, relax, open up, um, maybe ease up on yourself and don't be so hard on yourself. Mm, very much so. And where can people find out more about you and your books and, the, and your work? Yeah. Yeah. So I got two books out. So far, got this is the first one, Overcoming the Fear of Death. It's a non-religious approach to helping people overcome the fear of death. So the four belief systems I talk about in, in here are belief systems that underline and support the religious and cultural beliefs in the world. They're not religious and cultural beliefs. So it's a non-religious approach. This is a collection of 67 essays I've written. Marcus Aurelius updated. It's called 21st Century Meditations on Living Life. 67 essays on... Uh, emotions life principles there's a chapter on meditation uh essays um i talk about forgiveness spirituality suffering and happiness as a spiritual chapter in here um you know talk about ego god sure. uh, karma etc my 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 third book is coming out about my afterlife experiences the easiest way to reach me probably is just Google my name. You Google my name and I'm the first couple pages on Google. You'll see all my websites pop up. I have four websites. The easiest way to navigate all the websites is go to the bottom of any one. And there's hot links to the other three. That's the easiest way. You don't have to remember what they are. And then my, then my YouTube channel link is there also on the bottom of every website page. And I will put that in the show notes as well, my friend. And what is your, do you have a final message you'd like to leave us with? I think the really the final message that I tell people is just relax, you know, enjoy life, enjoy being in your physical, biological body while you're in it, because whether you remember it, you, you did this or not, you chose to come here. 
You chose to be in here. Now, the choice may have been a very concerted, like, conscious choice, or it may have been like, yeah, I miss getting drunk. And then, boom, you're down here. And it may not have been a very well thought out choice because you forgot that you had to get a job in order to buy the alcohol to go have fun at the bar. There's nothing wrong with having fun at the bar, but you got to, you got to pay him. You got to pay your, you know, you got to pay for the, pay for the beer. So I seriously mean that just relax, enjoy being here. Um, try to do it. My advice in as least cruel and hurtful way as possible, because it comes around and bites you in the butt. And, um, and, and, and it's not a great way to be a happy person is to create more people around you who are unhappy. Yeah. That's what a cruel person does. So learn from that and 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 enjoy life, really. We'll be right back after a word from our sponsor. And now back to the show. Elvin, it has been an absolute pleasure talking to you, my friend. It has been a hoot to say the least, my friend. So I appreciate you and the work that you're doing in the world, my friend. Thank you again. Great. Take care, Alex. Good to see you. Thanks. I want to thank Kelvin so much for coming on the show and sharing his journey with all of us. If you want to get links to anything we spoke about in this episode, head over to the show notes at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash 249. And if you've only been listening to this over podcast and you want to watch these amazing conversations, please subscribe to our YouTube channel at nextlevelsoul.com forward slash YouTube. Thank you so much for listening. And remember, trust the journey. It is here to teach you. I'll talk to you soon.